Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we are continuing our verse-by-verse expository preaching through the book of Mark, where we find ourselves in chapter 1, verses 29 through 39. Right out of the gate, in chapter 1, Mark hits us with a barrage of events that establish the divine authority of Jesus. Last week, we looked at his amazingly authoritative teaching and his authority over demons who were both terrified of him and obeyed his commands. This week, we jump right into another demonstration of his divine authority as Jesus encounters the very ill mother of Peter in his home. As word of Jesus spread in Galilee, the people of the region flocked to him, and at a word he cast out more demons and healed their illnesses instantly. When you think of all the people who could do this throughout history, up to and including our present day, you get the grand total of one, the Son of God, in his first earthly visit as the King of the Kingdom. Here is today's portion of the sermon entitled, The King at Work. I would like you to join me, please, at Mark chapter 1, and we are up to verse 29. As we work our way through this gospel, um, it will serve you well to keep in mind the title of this book. Now, your Bible probably says the gospel according to Mark, and that's a perfectly good title. But Mark, I think, put his own title on this. We call it chapter 1, verse 1, but it's, it's not even a sentence. It just says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He's explaining to us how all of this got started with Christ. And everything you're going to read in Mark is about the gospel, and it's about evidence that Jesus is the Son of God. He is indeed God the Son in human flesh. And the gospel, we, we've seen that word, that's always, it always means good news. Culturally, it was the good news of the arrival of a king. You're going to have victory now that the king is here. And so applied spiritually, the gospel is the good news that even though you are dead in your trespasses and sins, in Christ you can be made alive. Because He died to pay the penalty for our sins, He rose again, He ascended to the Father, He gave to us this message of the gospel. Now the part about Christ dying and rising again, well that hadn't happened while He was alive. But He was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. I'm the king, the king is, the king is right before you. Re- repent and believe, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand because the king has arrived. So that's what Mark is all about. Now, compared to the other three Gospels, Mark moves quickly through the events of the life of Jesus, much more quickly than do the other Gospels. We aren't even to the end of the first chapter, and we are already more than six months into the public ministry of Jesus, having not even mentioned all the things that Matthew and Luke tell us about His birth. We have seen John the Baptist as His forerunner, 
We saw how Jesus was baptized by John as sort of the public inauguration of the ministry of the king. All three members of the Trinity were evident physically and visually and audibly at the baptism of Jesus. And then immediately after his baptism, the Holy Spirit impelled Jesus out into the wilderness where for 40 days he fasted and was tempted. And from Matthew and Luke, we know that at the conclusion of that time, that temptation reached its pinnacle in face-to-face confrontations with Satan and Jesus triumphed magnificently. Now, Mark doesn't explain to us or mention anything about the roughly six months of overlap between the ministry of John the Baptist and the public ministry of Jesus. John kept baptizing until he was arrested, and we'll get to that part uh, later in the Gospel of Mark. But Jesus spent that time in Judea, the southern region, Galilee being to the north, Samaria being in between. And during that time, Jesus visited Jerusalem, cleared the temple for the first of two times, and, and then he traveled up north to Galilee. And when he reached there, he began calling disciples. Mark's record focuses on how he started with two pairs of brothers. First was Andrew and Simon, Simon whose name was eventually changed to Peter, and James and John, both the sons of a man named Zebedee. Now there's a lot more to the backstory of all of the apostles. We'll save that for later when Mark will mention it later in his gospel as well. Now last time we visited Mark, we saw that as soon as he came to the town of Capernaum, which became his headquarters for his so-called great Galilean ministry, the bulk of his time, about a year and a half, year and a half that he spent almost exclusively in, in Galilee. And once he got there, Jesus preached in the synagogue there. Two responses were dramatic and immediate. People were amazed at his teaching because it was clear and it had authority. It was a massive contrast to the, to the convoluted, uh, opinions and deference of the of the rabbis and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, Jesus just told the truth and said it clearly in an understandable way. So people were amazed at that because it was so different than what they were used to. And the demons were terrified. Now demons, fallen angels, remain under cover and out of sight almost all the time because we're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Satan's strategy is that he and all of his minions um, disguise themselves as angels of light. They, they don't manifest themselves in ugly, disgusting, scary kinds of ways. They, they infiltrate. They deceive. But whenever Jesus showed up, the demons panicked. They, they blew their cover. They They screamed and begged not to be imprisoned forever because they knew that Jesus could do that to them. And that happened right in the synagogue in Capernaum on Jesus' first visit there. And that begins the pattern that we will see that demons never attacked Jesus. They attacked lost souls. But just by His very presence, Jesus attacked demons. And He sent them away all through His ministry. Now, the stage gets set for where we are today by arriving at Mark chapter 1, verse 28. Let's back up to verse 27. It says, They were all amazed, so that they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey Him. 
And immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding district of Galilee. Word got out and it traveled like wildfire. Well, like wildfire. Now we're going to see Jesus to continue, we're going to see Jesus continuing to do his work of unveiling himself as the king of the kingdom of God. As he ministered around Galilee, Jesus showed by his actions that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God. Most of what's in the passage that we're going to look at today all happened on the same day as what we studied last time. Now let me give you one of the least imaginative outlines I have ever used for 11 verses. This is the king at work. Number one, he healed a special person. Number two, he healed all kinds of people. Now I say special only in the sense that there was a a prior relationship. Let's look at Jesus healing this special person. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 29. And immediately after they came out of the synagogue... They came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. So those four disciples that he had called already, and they all went to the house of Andrew and Simon. Now, this isn't really hard to picture in your mind. It says that it happened immediately after they came out of the synagogue. So it happened about midday on Saturday, much like the pattern of modern churches. Synagogue worship would happen in the morning would finish up around noon. And it says, They came into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, this is a place that is very well known. If you've ever had a chance to visit Israel, it's almost certain you've been there unless you had the worst guide in the world. If you ever get a chance to go to Israel, you will be taken here because it's a marvelous place to to, to picture how things might have been. And of all the archaeological sites that have been uncovered that relate to the New Testament, this one is very, very reliable compared to uh, many of the others. And the descriptions of the proximity of this house to the synagogue in Capernaum are spot on. Um, You'll find fascinating ruins if you ever get there. The most prominent one, as a matter of fact, there's not much of Capernaum to this day, but but the ancient city is there, and the most prominent ruins is the synagogue from the first century. We're quite certain of its authenticity, one of the best preserved examples of a synagogue from that era. Now, it is ruins. I mean, it's just the the layout and the base of the walls, but then you can find the things that used to be stacked up on the walls. Very close by... As a matter of fact, it's described as a one-minute walk from the synagogue. I remember the day that I was there, it seemed like it was about 103 degrees, uh, and one minute was plenty to walk for that time. But um, about about a one-minute walk from the synagogue are the ruins of what is, with equal authority, believed to be the home of Simon Peter. Now, here's a description of it from an author who's pulled together all the data. He says, within a stone's throw of Capernaum synagogue lies a structure that can reasonably be identified as the house of Peter. This house is part of a large insula complex, I-N-S-U-L-A, and he'll describe that, in which doors and windows open to an interior court rather than outward to the street. The court 
accessed by a gateway from the street, was the center of the lives of the dwellings around it. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.